Welcome to the First Century Church Podcast. My name is Stephen Wilhoy, and I'm the lead pastor at First Century Church, and it is an honor to have you with us today. The goal of the podcast is simple. We want you to be encouraged, challenged, and inspired to go further in your faith than ever before. If you'd like more information about the church, you can visit our website, firstcenturykc.com. And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. How cool is that? Love that. Um, It's just an exciting thing to think about what God's been able to do with this church over the last eight years, and really for, for the, our four family unit, it's been 10 years, um, a 10-year journey for us, um, because uh, it, fall, the fall of 2012, um, God spoke pretty clearly to me that we were to plant a church. So at the time, we're living with, um, you know, one-year-old and a three-and-a-half-year-old, four-year-old, um, at a great church in a great town where our kids were born. It's all they know. We have a great family, not our, not our physical family, but a great church family there. Life is great. Ministry is great. Things are going good. And all of a sudden, God just drops this bomb uh, into my heart, fall off 2012. So I share that bomb with Kim, and it doesn't explode for her right away. <laughs> She's not quite there yet. And so we just made an agreement. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing until we both are on the same page. So then in January of 2013, just over 10 years ago, um, I meant to bring the, the Bible that she had. I left it on my nightstand, but um, she was reading, just doing her devotion, and she came across Acts chapter 2. And in that last portion of there of Acts chapter 2, um, that's when God dropped the bomb in her heart. And she said, okay, we're doing this. So a few months pass, or well, about a month or so passes, and then God slowly tells us we're going to come to Kansas City to start a new church. Uh, the timing just kind of works out. We move here ten year, in May. It'll be 10 years that we moved here uh, with no jobs, had just found a place to live. So I don't recommend doing things in that order, but that's how we did it. Uh, but God provided every step of the way. So what I want to do is uh, just take a couple minutes here to remind us who we are to remind us what God's called us to do and who God's called us to reach and how we do that. And so we're in the book of Acts, and by God's providence, we're in Acts chapter 2. We're going to read our founding scripture, the last section of the book of Acts, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. This is what started this whole thing, is when Kim read this over 10 years ago. So we're going to read it and then talk about what that means for us here just for a few minutes. So Acts 2, 42, it says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So just over 10 years ago, Kim read this, and over the next couple of months, everything that we have been, are, and will be as a church came from those verses. 
So just for a few minutes, I want to walk through our core values as a church. So for some, this is going to be review. You've heard this before. You probably know what it is, but it's a good refresher reminder every once in a while. Okay, what are we specifically as first century called to do? We're not trying to be like somebody else. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're not trying to copycat other churches. What has God called us to do? It's all right here. And maybe you're newer, you've come on a great Sunday to find out exactly who we are, to hear exactly what we stand for, exactly what our goals and our aims as a church are. And if you're going to join us next Sunday for the New People Party, you get kind of a preview of what some of that is. So you'll hear it again a little bit next week at our lunch. But I want to go over our, our main core values as a church that all come from these verses just for a few minutes this morning. Our first core value, we're going to read them together. Our first core value is we are relational. And that means that we want people to know they are not alone. So here's the core value of we are relational. Everyone is welcome here just as they are. Life is better lived with others, so we want to encourage doing life together. Let's eat together. Let's hang together. Let's celebrate with each other. Let's support each other. We want to promote a sense of community and grow together. Join with us in the journey of life. In Acts 2, 42 through 47, there are several key relational words that pop up that make this a key component and therefore a core value of who we are. Fellowship is mentioned multiple times. It says they met together in one place. Now, there are different locations for that, which we are a part of doing. So they met in the temple, which would be kind of our weekend gathering. They met together, but it was... uh, There's another part of it that we'll get to, but there was a a relational aspect to their gathering in one place, even in the temple. So even as you come in, you're going to greet people and get to check up and catch up from the week before or, you know, previous. Even after we're done in here, you know, we like to mingle and talk and chat and share and catch up. It's the relational aspect of what the church is. It is, as been described, a family that requires relationship. And they also met in homes, and so we, I'm so happy that our small group in the, the fall session was so successful because it shows a need for connection and relationship, and it shows the value of it as well. And then with our, our current small group session going so well, I'm just so pleased that we're capturing this relational aspect because our modern world needs connection more now than ever. What's interesting is we are more connected than we've ever been, and we're also simultaneously more disconnected than we've ever been. So you might have hundreds of Facebook friends. You might have dozens of Twitter or Instagram followers. But still, people with all those numbers digitally, relationally, they're still broken. They're still alone. And so what the church does is it fills that gap. That's what we aim to do. What we aim to be is to fill that gap. You can message, tweet, snap, like, share, and follow and still feel alone, and so many people do. Yet the church is called to be relational. No one left behind. No one left alone. And personally, I shared this with somebody even this morning. Personally, I am what you would call an extroverted introvert. So people are surprised when I say I'm introverted because what I'm doing right now, well, guess what? I'm alone right now. I mean, you're there, but I'm up here, so it's different, okay? Now, if if I'm in a crowd of people, I can just, I'm fine in the corner, not talking to anyone. I'm, I'm okay like that. I don't have to do that. I don't really want to do that. It's not my style. So what I'm, chal- I'm challenged, been challenged recently even is to kind of break out of that a little bit to push past the, what it's a cliche but comfort zone because I understand the importance of being relational. It's good for your soul. It's good for your psyche, it, which is soul in another form. Uh, but it, it's good for us to do that. It's good for us as a church. It's good for us as a group. It's good for us individually to be relational. That's what we strive to be is relational. The second core value that we get, again, from Acts 2 
is that we are generous. That means we want people to know they matter, and we want the community to know we care. And here's what that sounds like. Status does not matter to us. We just want to help people when and where they need it any way we can. We're not here for us. We're here for Kansas City. We want to reach out, build bridges, and cause Kansas City to bring glory to God. The church in Acts 2, what do they do? They shared meals with each other. They opened their homes to each other. It even says that they sold their possessions and pooled their money to help each other within the church as needs arose. Now from this passage, whether intentionally sometimes or not, there's this misconception that Jesus was a communist, right? That the church is a socialist utopia. And I think what that is, for the most part, is it's people trying to superimpose their current worldview on a 2,000-year-old way of life, and that's just not the case. Because when you think about communism or socialism, it's forced government action, and that's not what we see in Acts 2. It's voluntary. They were generous. They chose to do this. They said, hey, because what happens is, in their culture, they're bucking the system. And so, for instance, one example, you even read about this in in Revelation in the letters of John to the churches. So many of the trade guilds, where trade in the Middle East is a huge thing, travel roads all throughout, trade is big, bartering is big. So most trade guilds would have their own god that would be over that guild that they would worship. The problem with these new Christians now is they can't do that anymore. They can't worship the god of their trade guild, and so their career is on the line if they don't follow suit. Their livelihood is at risk if they don't follow through socially with what is acceptable and normal. So the church, by necessity to survive, had to live this way. They had to depend on each other. They had to sell this thing on Etsy so they could have money to help this person with their hospital bill, right? They had to, okay, these clothes in my closet, I'm going to donate or I'm going to, you know, sell them online or whatever. So that this person, now, of course, they didn't have Etsy and the internet, but you see what I'm saying there, right? They, out of necessity, had to be generous. And so we, we aim to be generous here at First Century. So even the outreaches that we do from time to time, even the partnership with the school is out of generosity. The community partnerships that we have and will have are for generosity. The local missions that we support, the world missions that we support are being generous, helping one another, whether it's taking someone to a doctor's appointment or helping somebody help pay a bill or do whatever it is that we aim to do as a faith community. It's all from this idea of generosity from the first century church. And it's the same for us as it was for them. It's not a forced thing. We're not trying to coerce generosity because then it's not generosity anymore. And so, for better or for worse, I don't really talk about money a lot. We do, you know, give a blurb for the offering every week, but I don't preach about money a lot. It's been a thing I'm trying to work on because most people would say I probably, especially pastors, would say you need to talk about money more than I probably do. So it's a thing I'm trying to get past in my own heart, my own insecurity. But I understand there, that generosity can't be forced because then it's an obligation. And so we, that's why we don't pass a plate or a bucket at this point. Again, if God changes that, he's going to have to give me a really good reason why we're changing that uh, because it's all about uh, generosity and giving. Our goal is to be that individually amongst each other and then as a, a body, as a community of faith, to be generous. And then our third core value is we are missional. And that means we want people to know God's plan for their lives. And here's how that's described. Every part of every life has value and purpose. We want to encourage people not to waste their lives, but to take every opportunity to grow personally and make a difference in the lives of others. This is what being missional is all about. Make a difference in your home. Make a difference at your job. Make a difference wherever you find yourself. We don't go to church 
We are the church. And we have a few, uh, a couple of just, they're small. We have t-shirts up here that look like this, but we have our first ever t-shirt we ever did from the very first. And on the back was our initial kind of tagline, church is not a place, it's people. Now, I'll be honest, that was easy when we had to set up in a school. We didn't have a church building. It's more difficult now in year eight than it was in year one because we have a building. We go to church, right? But the missional mindset is, I am the church. That, yet, yes, God has called first century to make a difference, but that's the generosity part, okay? But at the same time, God has called each of us individually to make a difference. That's missional. There are people that you know in your life that have never been to church, that will never go to church, but God's called you to reach them. Whereas first century can't right now, at this point, you can there are people in your life that are going through personal struggles and issues that on a, on a group level, we, we can't maybe meet all those needs, but guess what? God's called you to reach them. Your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members, God's calling you to live on mission, to be on mission, to be a missionary. You're your own little missionary in your own little world. Do you know that? You're called to be a missionary, called to be missional. And so, um, I even tried to talk to someone years ago, probably our first, first few months, about the distinction between, you know, the outreach thing is not missional because it's generous. You know, it's a group thing. So we can't, we can't rely upon the generosity of the church and our community goal to shirk responsibility in our personal missional goal. It's easy to do that. Like, I can even fall into that. Well, I'm leading all the outreaches, and I'm a part of everything, and so that's my thing. No, even on a personal level, apart from that, God's called me to reach people. He's called you to reach people. So that's our, that's our goal. That's our aim. We're trying to work on how we do that better. We're trying to hone those skills. We're trying to get the courage to do what that requires. And that's a lifetime thing that we're trying to work through. So that's a challenge for all of us to be missional and to be more missional, to make a difference where we are, and that may all we do point people to Jesus. So um, I don't want to show it quite yet, but today on our eight-year anniversary, bef- before we close, I want to introduce a fourth core value. This is new for us. This, we've had three since the very beginning, but today we're going to unveil a fourth core value. And this came to me a few weeks ago as I was preparing for this and putting thoughts together and knowing we were going to talk about core values. This one just hit me, and I kept rereading this section X over and over and over again. I'm like, how do we miss that from the beginning? How do we miss that? The answer is we didn't miss it. And when I reveal it in a second, you'll, you'll kind of know what I'm saying. We, di- we, we always have been this fourth core value, we just hadn't put it on paper yet. It always undergirded everything that we tried to do and tried to be, but we hadn't written it out yet because honestly, I didn't think we needed to, but we need to. And so our fourth, this is sort of brand new, but it's not, our fourth core value that we're adopting right now is that we are biblical. Let me read it, and then we'll explain a little bit about what, that's, what that looks like. Being bi- we are biblical. We want people to know and follow God's clear guidance. Here's what that means. The Bible is an essential part of church life. Our goal is for all we do to flow from it. We preach the Bible. We read the Bible. We study the Bible. We believe the Bible. And we believe as we live this way, we will receive God's clear guidance every day of our lives that will make a difference in us and others. The Bible is more than just informational, it is transformational. So, we've always been biblical as a church, always. 
right? Our core values are based on the Bible, okay? So from the very beginning, our name, First Century Church, is based on the Bible. So we've always been that, but I'd always, I think, taken it for granted that, church, that every church was biblical. And the more that I live, the longer I live, the more I find that is not the case. So many reasons for that that I'll cover here for just a minute. But it's becoming more and more and more and more in vogue for churches to separate from the Bible. There's so much social pressure, and it's growing and increasing, and it is like, it is a lot of pressure, okay, to revert or to try to erase parts or sections or verses or topics from the Bible. And so we aim to be biblical. Because even, even Jesus, you know, says the gospel is offensive, so there are times I read the Bible and I don't like what it says either, okay? We're in the same boat. There are things that the Bible convicts me about that I wish it didn't say. There are topics that it covers that I don't really like, that are uncomfortable, that are too personal, that cut me and affect me. And so we're all in the same boat. There is no one that reads the Bible uh, really on any level that is never a, not offended by it. It's the nature of the, what the Bible is. But our aim is to remain a biblical church. So there's two things that can keep us from doing that. Let me just talk about them just for a second. So the first thing is we don't want to run from controversial positions. That's not a biblical church. If we avoid having certain stances that the Bible takes, we're not being biblical as a church or in your life. If you want to try to talk away, the Bible set clearly says this or clearly talks about this, but I don't like it, so I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to try to change what it says. I'm going to try to just skip over that. That's kind of the beauty of us going through Acts is whatever is there, we, we got to kind of talk about. we got to kind of cover. And so when the Bible is read, we want to not run away from controversial positions because that's not biblical. But we also, while we don't want to run away from controversial positions, we also don't want to push away controversial people. That's also not biblical. Some churches, in an effort to be biblical in their zeal, they become judgmental and legalistic. They push people away. But the gospel is good news. Now, that includes bad news, right? It includes that everyone's a sinner, everyone's fallen, everyone's imperfect, everyone needs a Savior, they need Jesus, right? They, they need the Bible, they need God's guidance, they need his parameters, they need that. And so we, that's the thing that we resist, but it is good news. It's good news. So we don't want to run away from controversial positions, but we also, in that effort to be biblical, don't want to push away controversial people. And so I hope that as we continue to grow and develop as a church that we can really grab hold of that, that there will be people that will come in that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that don't vote like us, that don't live the way that maybe I live. And my job is to love them. Our job is to love them. And I think that we do a good job of that. So this is not, I'm, I'm in a way preaching to the choir here. Let's all get up and sing a song. No, but... Um, but let's continue that because as things progress, as the culture continues to crumble, people are going to be more broken, more fallen than ever, and they're going to need a place to come, and I want that to continue to be this place. I want us to continue to be a, it's been said several times, a safe place for people to come to connect to Jesus, to find what they've been searching for, to find what they've been missing all along. They can find it here because we're not going to look down on them because of maybe how they smell or how they look or what they did last night or who they're with or what they, what they believe or who they voted for. Like we're, That's not what it's about. So a biblical church, again, is not going to run from controversial positions but is not going to push away controversial people. The aim is to remain 
biblical because the Bible changes us. It's not just informational, as it says here. Now, there is information in the Bible. I love studying the Bible. I love learning from the Bible. I love reading the Bible. I love teaching the Bible. I love it. I love it, I love it, I love it. But in the end, it's transformational. Because the Bible should make me think, what is the Bible inspiring me to do? What moves is maybe this passage calling me to make with my life? How does the Bible increase my faith to become action? Not just belief, but movement. It's transformational. And the more that we get into it individually in your personal devotion time, the more that we study uh, Scripture, the more that we get into small group discussions and do this together as a community, the more biblical that we become, the more we are transformed. And that's what this is all about. So a couple things I struggled with with this last one, and we'll close, is this. Being biblical, should it be the first core value? Or should it be the last one? And so it's, it's the last one because it undergirds everything else that comes before it. It's the foundation that we're, normally you lay the foundation first and build everything else, but we're going to tell you all the things that we are, but it all stems from this at the bottom. It all comes from here. So it is sort of first, last. It sort of bleeds into the other three core values in some way. Another thing I struggled with, wasn't this kind of like the relational thing? Like they got together, well, sometimes they just got together to hang out, but sometimes they got together like, because the Bible was the core of what they were doing at that time. So there's both, there's a both and to that. The Bible informed the church's generosity. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. We get into Acts chapter 3. The Bible informed them about what being generous looked like. It came from the Bible. The Bible told the people what their mission was. It comes from there. It's clear direction and guidance from God. That's what being biblical is. And so as individual followers of Jesus as a church family, I want us to continue to search for the Bible to find constant, clear guidance for life. Because I need guidance. I don't know about you, but I, I would like God's guidance. So why not be guided by the perfect guidebook that is the Bible? I need wisdom. So why not go to the fount of all wisdom that is God's written, inspired word? So we aim to be, continue to be biblical uh, in that way. So that's who we are. We're relational, we're generous, we're missional, and we're biblical. And let me just say a couple of personal uh, thoughts here as we close. Um, God has been so good to this church over eight years. Uh, the longer you've been here, the more you've seen <laughs> that. Because you've seen lows, you've seen highs, you've seen ups and downs, twists and, you've seen people come in, people go. You've experienced that, and God has been so faithful. Like, I'm like, you know, I do this like we all do, right? You know, that sermon was great. That sermon was terrible. Or this person hurt my feelings. Or this person made me feel great. Or this, you know, this thing happened that I don't like. Or this thing happened that I'm uncomfortable with. But, you know, I'm like this, but God's like this all the way through that. He's the steadying force throughout, not just for me, not just for our family, but, but for all of us. He's been the difference maker. And God, as, as Kim said, God has used you to, to get us to where we are. You're like, well, it's like my third week. Hey, God used you in some way to get us to where we are. Um, and that's what it's all about. And um, personally, let me just say thank you for being our family. Um, you know, my Kim's, you know, family all over here in town, all my family, you know, I abandoned them years ago back in Kentucky. Um, but you have been a huge support system for us. You genuinely care about us. You genuinely, you pray for us. We know that. We feel that. We sense that. Um, and so I just wanted to say thank you for, for letting us serve you in that way. Thank you for entrusting us to 
have at least enough sense of what God might be trying to do and us trying to stay out of the way just enough for him to do what he wants to do and being there with us. And thank you for being uh, participants, not just bystanders, but participants in what God is doing. And maybe you haven't been, hey, the water's fine, jump on in. Find a place to serve, find a thing to do, find your, even like Tommy said, he, it took him a while, but, but he, he's found those spots now where he, okay, this is where I belong, this is where I flourish, this is where I thrive. You can experience that too. So if you're kind of on the outside looking in, and you want to kind of tiptoe in, we would love to have you just jump both feet in the deep end and just let's do this thing together. So again, great, what a great ride so far. Eight years, amazing. But the best is yet to come, okay? I believe we've not seen anything yet. We're just now building a firm enough foundation to, I think, go where God really wants us to go. It took maybe seven and a half years longer than I hoped it would <laughs> probably to get to where we are right now. Um, but I'm just so thankful for all of you and thankful for, for the Lord uh, just being all over this process and all over this church and in this church and working through this church. It is amazing, and I'm so thankful to celebrate this day with you. Let's pray. God, genuinely, thank you for First Century Church. Thank you for every person who has ever been a part of this church, who has ever attended, who has ever given, who has ever served, who's ever just kind of sat around for a while and then moved on. Thank you for every life that has been a part of this. And thank you for the lives that have been affected by this church. Some that are here today, some that used to be here, some that had even never attended, but somehow something that we did impacted them. Thank you for your guidance. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for the courage to just do what you want us to do, to be who you've called us to be, a relational, generous, missional, biblical community of faith. Thank you for calling us to serve you. Thank you for using imperfect people to fulfill your perfect plan. Because that's all you've got to work with. And you've chosen us. Thank you for that privilege of serving you and serving our community through this church. And help us to continue to help people find love, hope, and life in Christ. It's more than a slogan. It's more than a catchphrase. It's more than a mission statement. It's really who we are. We have been called to be the kind of church that will help people find love, hope, and life in Christ. And so I thank you for all you've done the previous eight years, and I thank you by faith for the years yet to come. Thank you for your continued wisdom, for your continued patience, for your continued favor and blessing over each of us individually and over all of us collectively as First Century Church. God, I thank you and praise you for all you've done, all you will do, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.